I'm a dude, and I'm inviting you to join me on a podcast about brews. Does that include stouts? Yes. Yes, of course it includes stouts. Like I was saying, join us every Saturday on the journey hey, hey, into... Hey, co- wait a minute. Do you, do you guys do anything about, like, IPAs? Yes. Like that? Yes, of, yes, of, yes, we do IPAs. Okay. It's, okay. It, yes. Anyway, join us on the Journey into Comics Network for Brews with Dudes. Whoa, whoa, po- hey, hey, do you... Have you guys ever... Do you care if I bring some Zima on? Yes, I care if you bring Zima. Zima doesn't count. Zima... Oh. Zima... Dr. Dongo. Anyway, join us every Saturday for a podcast that delves into the craft brew world. The following... The following... The following journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. Hey, hey, this is Josh Richmond, and you are listening to the Voice of Survival podcast, exclusively on the Journey into Comics Network. of survival podcast as the introduction said i am your host nate hope everyone is doing fantastic on this friday as i am traveling and on my way to columbus ohio as walk among us is going to be performing with max sabbath okilly dokilly and playboy man baby um which is an amazing card i can't believe that we're going to actually be a part of it and like everything kind of coalesces very beautifully. Uh, but we're not here for that today. We're going to be talking about something much different. Before we get into that, I just want to say, this might be a heavier episode. If you're not feeling it today, I totally understand that. But this is going to be very real. It's going to look at a lot of different angles of something that, you know, uh, is a very common thing in our country. And, uh, of course, I'm talking about divorce. <clears throat> You know, at one point, I think Kids for Sale had done an episode on divorce, and it was it was definitely a different angle that was talked about, <clears throat> and I think it was a lot of banter between two parents who are step-parents, and there's a different dynamic to that. So I want to offer several different angles and talk about um, some of my opinions. So why do I have any qualification to talk about this at all? Like, what's my background? Okay, well... Uh, when I was, well, realistically, when I was like five and a half years old, my mom and dad separated and my mom moved an hour away and then my dad ended up moving an hour away from his job in the opposite direction that was an hour away. So now two hours from his job and was traveling two hours one way to work each day, two hours back. Okay. And I've done that before, because when I was helping my father, as a matter of fact, I was doing that, driving in the morning and coming home at night to to do work, because sometimes I wouldn't, you know, be there for three or four days at a time. I'd just get one day in where I could work and help him out. 
So I can tell you that driving that over and over and over and over again and always having to be in the car, it can get um, a little just like you kind of lose yourself, especially if you're alone. And my dad was traveling alone a lot. So, you know, he's now driving two hours. My mom is working in this place in Champaign. Things are like kind of back together. Our families kind of patched themselves together. So we've survived this thing. And the the first separation, I don't really directly, like I don't really super remember it because it was kind of all just like whoosh, 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 whoosh. And then we were, you know, two years later it seemed. But um, I remember I was maybe taken to my grandparents' house for a couple days or something. And then my dad was there and we were just staying with my dad and it was I didn't know what was going on it kind of it, we were obviously kind of kept out of the the story or whatever and so then I kind of pieced it together I was five and a half going on six so I was kind of starting to get a brain about me <clears throat> and it kind of seemed to me and I'm not judging anybody on you know what they were doing at the time but it seemed to me my mom was maybe fucking the coke man like they had been really friendly with each other I had seen her around him sometimes I had seen him come by when I was with her at certain points it seemed just like very I was starting to kind of put things together you know and I even brought that up to my dad I was like I think this is what's going on man so like <clears throat> maybe me calling that out like bridge the gap my parents started talking about it and they worked through their problems and they stayed together for the kids and you know my sister was three at the time so they chose to instead of calling it then there was two more years, and it's so crazy what the difference of those that time can be because, uh, you know, travesty happens because of these two years, and lots of not cool kind of reverberates out. I feel like had they stayed split in, I think it was like 93, must have been, yeah, 93, I would have been about six. So, yeah, um, I feel as if... <clears throat> well, I think they their relationship would be a lot more healthy because I think they were a little bit younger and not as bitter at the time before their first separation. The separation kind of was like, we have problems, let's try to fix them. And then they were like, now we have to be these people and stay strong for the kids because the kids now kind of are in on it. We have to think about them too, you know? And we lived in Champaign for a year. I went to a school that I was very bullied in. And bullied to the point that I begged and cried to go home. So we moved back to our hometown. Um, you know, that following year, my sister got hit by the car. Like, it's just, it's all weird how their decision then. Like, had my dad and mom separated and just been that, I probably would have ended up living with my mom and not really known that that was what I didn't really want, I guess. Because the way it played out was so different now. Because we... We're all a happy family again, and we live in Champaign. We decide we're going to go back to Hoopston. We are living at the house that my dad still lives in to this day. And um, we've talked about it before on the podcast when Tyler interviewed me when my sister got hit by the car. It kind of like shifted everything, and I think it just reignited all these problems my parents had. And it also created this, and they'll never admit it, and I'm just going to talk it real. I think they kind of both blamed each other. Like, they thought... Each thought it was the other one's prerogative or directive to go get 
my sister and bring her home across the street. Neither of them wanted to do it, and so just calling her home, oh, she'll be fine crossing the street alone. It's like the it's like a ch- it's a parent's worst nightmare, really. It really you know really is. Um, <clears throat> And I think that's why now as an adult and being in Oliver's life, I preach the always look both ways. I don't joke about it. It's not a thing. If you were crossing a street, we're holding hands. Like, I don't care. It does not matter to me. Like, I have to be even more protective and think it's, and it's so crazy because there's just a thousand possibilities when you become a parent. There really is. And that, and I think that's the hard, you know, almost risk you take bringing life into this world. So back to it, the the accident happens, my parents are together through my sister getting healed, and then I turn eight, she's, or I turn, oh, I, I was about to turn nine, and they officially called it off, and it was done, and my mom stayed in the house that's my dad's house still to this day, and my dad moved to Lafayette. Sorry, I have the burps. I just ate a calzone. I'm just being real with you guys because I hope you guys, oh my God, why is he crying? I'm not upset at this part. This is a very non-sad part of the story. This is just like how it happened. So my dad goes to Lafayette and we're living with my mom. And then this guy starts coming around, Carl. He's now my stepdad to this day. So you kind of get a fucking idea what was going on there. And anyways, uh, so he's coming around and I just noticed that he's treating me really fucking weird and all the energy in this place is off. Everything seems weird. This guy is in my space and trying to act like he's in control of me. And it's, I don't understand it because I'm eight, you know, I have a full mind about me and I, and I've not known this person at all. So it's a complete stranger walking into the fold and then like shaking things up. And I look at things now, anyways, in perspective, and I had such great intuition, honestly, like not to, you know, to pat myself on the back or whatever, but as a kid, I was smart enough to go, wait a minute, something doesn't energy wise feel right. Okay. And I'm going to take you guys through this. So my stepdad and I had a very rocky relationship and it start it really started there with this like thing. And I remember one time I called my dad and I was like, Hey man, I can't be here. I need you to come get me. I want to, I want to live with you. And that's that. Like, there's no if, ands, or buts, you know, I need to not be here anymore. This guy isn't making me feel right. My dad's like, drop everything he's doing. He can't have me stay where he's staying. So he's got to like figure that out. And I end up staying with him and my grandma at her house for a time while this divorce and all this shit's happening. And then what it kind of comes to is I think my dad paid my mom money and in, in, in sums and whatnot as alimony or whatever, however that goes. And then he got to keep the house and she had to move out. So petty, pettiness, okay. Th- my mom and stepdad moved the stuff of hers out of my dad's house. And fucked up a bunch of walls, some of which are still fucked up to this day, almost kind of as a, like a reminder, you know, I think my dad likes to almost kind of look at it, be like, I also made a great decision, you know, like I got out and I should have because it was maybe more abusive than even I as a child knew, you know, I think that's one thing that's very important to note in all of this, and we're going to talk about this more later, but 
toxicity, it permeates. And kids feel that. So if you're constantly toxic, what's going to happen? Think about it. Okay. So anyways, my stepdad and I have this term like turbulent relationship it started there a couple years later like I was nine and a half or ten or ten and a half maybe and I was eating at my mom's house and she said something and I coughed and he thought I like said some shitty comment for some reason he was in a bad mood and just wanted to come at me and he grabbed me by the throat and so I like pushed him off me and middle finger gave him the middle fingers like fuck you dude and ran off and by the time I got home, my mom had called my dad and told him what happened. Obviously, I was in trouble. And my dad's like, first of all, I'm fucking proud of you for standing up. But if I don't punish you, she's going to be fucking awful. And you don't want that, and I don't want that. So, you're going to write sentences. And I had to write like 25 or 100 times or some shit that I would never flip off Carl Ankenbrand again. And yeah, I'm calling his full name out, I know. It's crazy, right? I don't really give a fuck. Um, so that's 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 one of the situations, you know. And there were just several times, you know, it kind of got weirder because he doesn't just go as my stepdad through my whole life. It's one thing if he's just my stepdad. He then becomes my art teacher. And I'm an artistic person. And I loved taking art. So, obviously, I'm like, okay, I think that I need to you know, have this elective because I could maybe do something with my life in the art realm. And it almost kind of was like a dream dead because my dad's like, you don't want to do that. You don't want to be in his class. It's going to be awful. And I was like, oh, no, come on. He's not going to bring that to school. How wrong was I? I mean, honestly, I just want to keep it real right now. I'm just thinking about all these different scenarios and I'm which one, which one I want to talk about first. But, you know, I think it starts in the subtleties. Because it would start in things like him making fun of the fact that I was trying to be a musician. And he used some pun of Aerosmith. You know, he said, uh, you know, you think you're going to be famous? Well, dream on. You know, ha ha ha. Um, and I, because I'm fucking witty motherfucker, responded well with, it'll be a sweet emotion when we do. You know, like he said, you know, we'd never be famous, dream on. And it was like, it's going to be a sweet emotion when we do. And I think it's funny because as my life has moved into now where I do have music prominently, I have been blessed and fortunate enough to play in shows and be noticed and recognized by some of my heroes, you know, uh, you know, and the reason that I'm in music. So for for that to kind of even be a thing is is good enough. But I, I'm not done yet. You know, I want, I, I'm always striving for more. And it's kind of because of that line. You know, he said, dream, you know, dream on. And it's just like, man, I can't wait to prove to you, like, straight up what we can accomplish because we are talented people. And as a kid, I was a totally different band. But, you know, looking at it back at it retrospectively, it's like, that was a shot at me. It wasn't a shot at my bandmates. He was telling me that I am talentless. And I took it personal, you know. So my stepdad's always driving this wedge, and there were times where he would bring things from the home into the into the school and like scream at me and and cuss at me and and yell at me and say shit about my mom in front of people at school, and it was very like totally inappropriate. And if it was 2019, 
and I was a kid, I would fucking go run and tell social media and blow that shit up. But this is, again, that, that dude's in a different time now. And, and, and be, it passed me, you know. It's not something that's even on my radar of pain. It's, at these points, just memories that are worth telling as a way to share with you kind of some of the things that happened along my way. So, you know, the, the, like I said, several different instances. And you know what? Here's the fucking crazy thing. Like, and I'll, I'll tell one, I'll kind of tell a funny one too here before we go further. So, and this is super relevant. My stepdad had had his nephew come up to spend the weekend and we were all spending the weekend and hanging out and I was there and, you know, sometimes it was cool to hang out with my stepdad. Like he wasn't always an asshole, but most of the time. So he knew I loved playing basketball and he's like, Hey kid, not me, his nephew, you want to go to the school? He's a teacher with keys, and it's not during school. It's in the middle of summer, and shoot hoops. So have the whole basketball gymnasium to yourself, essentially. Really fucking awesome. And, of course, my cousin's, or my, well, I guess it technically is my step-cousin, yeah. Um, And his nephew was like, yeah, of course. I want to go. Let's go. And they went off without me, and and they didn't even ask me or say anything. They just, like, got in the car and left right in front of me. Boom. Like, I wasn't even there. And as they were driving away, I started doing the Degeneration X, like, fucking suck it crotch chop thing. And it, and and I got busted, and I got screamed at by my mom and shit. And it, you know, that is what it is, say la vie. But, um, like, it was it, turbulence. But then there were also times, and not always, but there were also some times where my stepdad was cool. And things were all right. And he wasn't always a bad, like I said, he's not, it, ebbs and flows. You know, now I think if I ran into him or talked to him, I would, he would be humbled by who I am as a person and I would be humbled by who he is as a person because we've both changed, you know, and he would be, oh, well, you're not even who I thought you were. And I would be like, oh, you're not even who I thought you were, you know, and that's, that's growth. And that's, you know, then that is, that is kind of a good thing. But, uh, you know, having a stepdad in my life changed my life because he was kind of like an at-home bully. Okay, here's another great story for you, cause, and this is real. So one time, I was on swim team. Uh, I was actually on swim team for a very long time, for those of you who don't know. Um, I swam freestyle, but my specialty strokes were butterfly and backstroke. Um, and I used to hold some records in uh, the conference in Hoopston and all that shit, but whatever. Uh, that's, again past life and not what the point of the story is and what we're talking about because we're talking about divorce and this is all going to be going to a place so my stepdad has his sisters over and they're hanging out and they they're from far away and actually my cousin's mom is one of those sisters um the same one with the crotch chop story so they're all hanging out and my mom's like you go up take a shower get ready for bed so i go up and i get into the shower and i'm showering And I'm in this shower, in the bathtub, and above the bathtub is a light fixture. And it's kind of a stupid setup, because it's like an open-faced, hanging glass light fixture. Like, you know, you climb up on the ladder, you don't even really have to take anything off. You can just, like, screw bulbs in behind the shade. So... I'm in there showering, and he fucking, and I'm so goddamn lucky I wasn't looking up to, like, wash my hair. I'm so goddamn lucky I didn't have my mouth open. 
I'm so lucky that, I mean, there are so many other scenarios that could have happened other than what did happen. So he runs in there, which door probably should have been locked, my fault. And maybe it wasn't he unlocked it, but I can't remember because I was a little bit traumatized by this. So he runs in, okay, and throws a, like, rubber ball at me. But he doesn't throw it at me. He hits the fucking shade, which breaks off of the ceiling and shatters across my back and gashes me. I still, to this day, have a huge scar. It gashes me real deep. And it was just like a shocked moment. And I didn't cry. I was stunned. It was unbelievable, the pain I felt. Because it cut my back really bad, but also got my feet in a couple spots. So I'm like standing there, and he's like, oh, my bad, fuck, fuck, you know, I didn't mean to do that, oh, shit. You know, he's like screaming for my mom and shit, and like I'm like panicked. I put put my towel around myself because I don't want anybody to see me, you know. And um, he's looking, he's like, oh, my God, you are, I cut you open, like this is bad. And uh, I actually didn't go to the hospital or get stitches or anything. We just put a butterfly band-aid setup kind of thing on it. I slept in it, woke up the next day, went to a swim meet. That's the first part of the thing I was telling you guys about. Um, I swam three events. I think I also might have done the relay. And then, uh, yeah, that was the most pain because chlorine getting into that cut was insanely brutal. And burned, as you can imagine. So yeah, my stepdad kind of tortured me in a lot of different ways as a kid. And, you know, maybe not every kid's stepdad situation is that way. Uh, I know that Veronica and her stepdad have a different relationship. They're very kind to each other. They're family to each other. Even though her stepdad and mom are divorced. He's still like a father to her because he was for the majority of her life. And actually, interestingly enough, from the her age of like four and a half and five on until she was in high school, like 20 or 19 or something like that, you know? So, all those things considered, you know, you look at everybody's situation and it's all different. A step-parent can be different. Again, it just depends on the person. Um, but, Again, we're talking about the whole divorce and how that happens. And and obviously, the reason I say don't stay together for the kids, it's very important to note that if you are unhappy, you are breeding toxicity to your children on a daily basis. And I don't mean like you're unhappy because of a circumstance or you're unhappy because something that is unfixable right now. I'm talking about a constant you're unhappy because you're in a relationship with this other person who is unhappy. They are in a relationship and you guys are constantly butting heads and not seeing eye to eye. When you're doing that, breeding that toxicity, your kids are picking up on it more than just on a level of, uh, you know, more than on just like a level of like verbalizing. They can feel your energy. They can feel how you... Are they can see mommy is sad, daddy is sad, or whoever's sad, and it weighs on them because then you worry as a kid when you're younger what's wrong with mom? What's wrong with dad? Why are they unhappy? Why can't we get through this? Is it something I did? It must have been, it must have been me because I'm the I'm young and, and I, I don't know any better, so obviously it's my fault. I did something and caused my parents' divorce, you know? And that's not true at all. 
issues are deeper. There's no communication. There's no teamwork. There's no effectiveness together. There's no drive for a future or, or a drive to, to something, to strive to something greater than just being together. You know, uh, there's no game plan or anything like that. So when you're looking at these parents that are not being kind to each other and you're thinking about the kids, I want you to really sincerely think about this. As a little kid, you sit with that and your parents aren't happy all the time and you kind of notice it and then you notice it more as you're 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14, 22. You're in your 30s. Your parents are still together, but your mom and your dad don't ever see eye to eye. They're always butting heads. Uh, they're one's browbeating the other. One's always spending too much money. Uh, you know, one is um, constantly working to avoid the other one because literally that's all that person has. I mean, these scenarios are real. And I want to bring up something right now by the numbers here. Uh, because today it is thought approximately 42 to 45% of marriages in the U.S. end in divorce. And that does not include legal separations. When you break down by the numbers, um, 42 to 45% of first marriages end in divorce. Now, there are more stat statistics to divorce. Um First marriages, the more marriages you have, the more chances it is to get divorced. Literally, it goes from 42% to 60% to 73%. Um, the average age is 30 years, three years before remarried. Divorces per hour, 100 divorces per hour, folks. Um, interesting to note, and this is very important to note, okay, that... The divorce age range, as far as your percents, the highest for men in the or the highest for women is women age 20 to 24 who are married getting divorced is 36.6%. So if you're a 24 year old something and you just got married to your 24 year old something, higher percentage that that is not going to work out for whatever reason. And you know what? Stats are stats. They don't really necessarily mean anything, and people can beat the stats, obviously, um, because communication is the, it, literally it's the most important thing. Just being open and honest with each other and sharing your, your feelings and not being afraid to be vulnerable, I think that's a huge thing in relationships. Men feel that crying is something that, uh, you know, is not acceptable. And uh, it is. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to show your heart on your sleeve when things aren't going right. I would rather break down and cry and just let the fucking emotions flow than hold it in. Because then I become bottled up rage. I don't want to be filled with rage. If you're filled with rage all the time, you're angry all the time, you're bottling it all the, in all the time, you're a loose cannon without even realizing it. So... I just think that I need to talk some more numbers because I didn't go talk about men. Because men, also in the same percentage, 20 to 24, you're 38.8%. 20 to 
But it's interesting to note that as the as as the age ranges get older, up to thirty nine years old, between thirty ages of thirty five and thirty nine, the percentages are much lower. Essentially, if you're if you're with somebody in that age range, you're gonna stay with them. You're gonna be with them, and be your partner because again, you've you've tried trust with other people and it hasn't worked in one way or another. Whether it's a marriage, a relationship, uh, a partnership, whatever it is. Um, also, some of these numbers are from two thousand eleven, so these might be higher now. Um, there's one divorce every 36 seconds. Um, the first, the length of a first marriage ends in divorce is about eight years. Um, the average age for a couple to go through divorce is 30. Um, and on average, a person spends about two years thinking about divorce before taking action. That's a fact. Uh, about three on every divorce people will remarry. Uh, people will wait an average of three years after divorce to remarry if they remarry at all. 6% of divorced couples end up remarrying each other. That's interesting. Um, that's a small percentage, but they get, end up getting back together. U.S. government stopped collecting detailed marriage and divorce statistics in '96, so other data sources such as U.S. Census and independent researchers are used to estimate divorce rates and other statistics. Five states with the lowest divorce rate as of 2015 are Iowa, Illinois, Massachusetts, Texas, and Maryland, actually. And the states with the highest are Arkansas, Nevada, Oklahoma, Wyoming, and Alaska. Now, let's back up and go back through this. Lowest uh, divorce rate is Iowa. 1.2 out of every 1,000 residents in Iowa get divorced. Um, it's a rural area, small towns pretty much across the board. A lot of people grow up together, know together. Every town, everybody in the town knows each other. You get married, you stay together. That that's just like the, the fairy tale life. And it's weird that it's Iowa, but that does kind of make sense in some ways. Illinois, um, it's really too expensive taxes. You know, think about that. Massachusetts, uh, not really sure why that would be. Texas. Mm, um, it's a religious, Texas is a very religious state, so that does kind of make sense. 2.6 out of every 1,000 Texas residents get divorced. Now, the highest divorce rates, Arkansas, a really red state with um, a lot of variables as far as what kind of men you're going to find. Nevada, party state. It's a place where people go to literally fucking get married and then divorce or do drugs and get divorced or whatever they're going to do. Or just do drugs and not get married or divorced. They didn't get married first time, I guess. Oklahoma. That's interesting, but I'm not really sure why. It's 4.4 out of every 1,000 Oklahoma residents are getting divorced. Alaska's up there too. Oh, I guess it was highest and then high to the high low. So Alaska's the lowest of the high. 4.1 out of every 1,000. But I want to talk, and, and this is kind of a little bit more of the heart of the conversation for today, about m more on the not only the toxicity, but I want you guys to think about this. As people grow up, they get a certain... Um, you almost build a foundation of what you believe the truth in the life to be. And everyone's truth is going to be different. Every Every person's visual and how they see things and how they perceive things is different but when you're growing and you see that your family is growing and growing old that's a very important thing to know when your family is growing old and then your parents are in their their you know they're in their upper 
50s and 60s and split. That can be cause for a lot of fear, a lot of worry, a lot of stress. Um, because you know, obviously the first thing in your head is like, if your parents are doing this now, how long have they been unhappy? And then you start to think about your life and like, well, growing up, I always like felt this like negativity in this household that I had to live with that I kind of embodied in who I became or whatever. And, or, or, you know, subtleties and mom was always talking my ear off and talking shit on dad and saying he was worthless and never, you know, got up to mow the grass or whatever. Um, and was always dogging him on something and saying, you know, you don't do anything or whatever. But as a kid, you kind of grow this, like, I, I get it's, it's not a divide, but your parents become statues of what they actually are to you, I think. And you can either lie to yourself or you can be very honest. And like, my dad has been my biggest support system. I know that he's been a hard ass. He screamed in my face. He's been not nice to me before. We've got into arguments. We've yelled at each other. It's been bad, you know. It's it's not been pretty all the time. But he's also supported me in everything I've ever wanted to do. He's always believed that I have a good sense of direction in my heart and that I know where I want to take things in my life. And then I have this other image, which is my mother. And, you know, as a kid, I said something very brutal, I think, you know, thinking back now to my mom. And in some ways, I'm glad she did what she did. In other ways, I'm not glad she did what she did. In some other ways, I'm unsure of any effect of change at all, you know? Uh, so, you know... She had met this guy, my stepdad, and I told her, it's him or me. You choose him or you choose me. This guy or your son. It's easy. And she chose him. And she stayed with him. And that that kind of set the course, right? It set the table for how I feel about my mom as a person. My mom and I had had an on and off great and then kind of bad relationship. And then family drama sparks out. And then other stupid drama. And I've all, I've just keep noticing that anytime anything goes wrong, my mother never backs me. There's never been a time where she's been like, no, 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 Nate's got it. He's on it. He knows what he's doing. Or like, no, don't be like that. Like, okay, example. There was some bullshit that happened at the Hoopston school where some kids were bringing their flags and shit. And they were saying they were doing it to protest a, a teacher that was kneeling uh, during the Pledge of Allegiance in the morning. No one said who the teacher actually was, but this was a big thing. And I was just like, man, these kids are so entitled. And I said something on one one person's post or something about like just entitlement. And this dude went on this crazy diatribe on me and like said a lot of really awful things. Um, and then asked me if I was in the military and I was like no I couldn't serve I have chronic migraines and it's documented like and he said that's a fucking made up illness and I was like that is not are you being serious right now like he seriously slapped me in the face offended me like the amounts of times I've went through pain and suffered and 
and felt like I was literally on the verge of dying or my head bursting or my fucking veins bursting out of my head, you know, or any number of the combinations, my eyeballs bursting out of my brains. That's very real pain that I've lived with. And this guy questioned it. And I just was like, I'm done with this conversation. Fuck you, dude. And apparently this was on somebody's post that my mother mother could see for some reason. I mean, it is the same town. So again, it's like that small town life. You assume, I, you know, I should have known that she would see it at some point, which I wasn't really, I didn't really care. I'm voicing my opinion. It's just my opinion. I'm an adult. I'm allowed to have an opinion, I think. And I think that if these kids are fucking being entitled little brats and, and trying to do it as some sort of fucking show of patriotism or some sort of murka thing, it's uh, it's not working. It doesn't look, or become very becoming. It just looks like good old boys being rednecks and doesn't it doesn't suit me. And that's kind of where I was at. My mom messages me and she's like, I don't like how you talk or I'm disappointed in how you talk or something. Something to that effect or whatever. I, I could totally pull it up, but I'm not going to. Um, and I was just like, what is, what the hell? When are you going to stand up for your son, man? When are you going to be like, oh, yes, I totally understand that you've lived your life with fucking migraines. And this guy said something disparaging. That's fine. You totally should have said fuck you to him. But she didn't. She didn't have any remorse or backing of me. And I told her, I was like, I can't. I can't do this anymore. I can't deal with this toxicity. You know? And that's why if you're in the toxic relationship, and I know sometimes it can be hard. You're in, you're in it with somebody. You guys aren't on the same page. It's not good. It's not been good for a while. The bad moments strongly outweigh the good. You know, and let me let me clarify something because I I want I do want to say something. If you're in a relationship with someone you truly love, right, and the only thing that's a struggle is money, and you leave on that, you are trash. Just note that because money doesn't make a relationship or break a relationship. If you're struggling together, you struggle together. If you're successful together, you rise up together. But you can't say like, oh, it's not working. We're not doing this. We're going nowhere. We're spinning our tires because of money. If that's the only thing you guys are fighting about, and then you decide to change it and get and end the relationship and the marriage, well, first of all, it's going to cost you a lot more money, right? Because divorce is not cheap. Um, but it's also going to be ugly, ugly for the kids if you have kids. Um, but it doesn't have to be ugly. And this is why I want to say, don't stay together for the kids. If you and your partner, spouse, whatever, aren't vibing and it's not working, and you're in a, and you're and you're 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 you guys are in wedlock, and one day you guys wake up and say, "Man, some I don't feel it. I'm not feeling it anymore." Don't turn on each other and become enemies because it just costs everybody money. Keep it breezy. And here's a very important thing: if you're trying to get out as friends. Do not involve lawyers in your divorce, even if you have kids involved. Just be kind to each other. Be honest to each other. You know, don't be disrespectful to each other. You know, don't play each other dirty, and that's how you're going to stay friends. But the thing is, is people get lawyers involved. Lawyers are like, oh, well, I see this person has this asset. This asset's worth this much money. That value of money, if I can get that to them, they can give me that percentage which goes into my back pocket. So if I can get them to be convinced they need to fight for the house or the TV or the car or the whatever it is, the ancillary thing or the dog or whatnot, that 
it's worth more money. And then essentially what they do is they start dragging it out. Oh, we should fight for that too. Oh, we lost that one. We could win this other one. We should. What, what about fighting for the for the boat? You want to fight for the boat? We should. We'll drag it out in court. Money, 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 money. It's just it's just burning a hole. And you're also again you're hurting the kid because the kid's seeing mommy crying. She's seeing daddy screaming, or you know whatever. And you're you're literally putting so much toxic energy out. You change your kid. Like, I'm mentally damaged in some ways, I think, because of my parents' divorce. I have a hard time trusting people. If you're in my fucking inner circle, you feel lucky as fuck. I'm serious. Because I don't let a lot of people in. Because I don't trust folks to not hold me over. And I don't trust people to not just up and leave. Okay? Because it's what I witnessed and experienced as a kid. So it tr- it changes you. It traumatizes you, you know? And I think... so. I want to talk about a different perspective of this because we've been talking about the kids who are aware, you know, your fives, your seven-year-olds, your 10-year-olds, things of that nature that are in there, you know, even your young teenagers, which God help you if you're a teenager and having to go through divorce as a teenager, being a teenager, stressful enough, being an adolescent, stressful enough, being a teenager going through divorce. I can't imagine it. I would probably not have survived that experience. And again, that's why I'm grateful in a lot of ways, even though they didn't do it soon enough. And they didn't do it when they should have, probably. That my parents ended their relationship when they did, you know. Like I said, after my sister got uh, hurt. But here's a different perspective. And, and this is the thing. Sometimes people get married altruistically. They have a kid trying to fix things. And now they have a kid and they're still not happy with this person. And they don't know why. And they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe, just maybe, you know, I should get out of this relationship before this kid gets too old. That's the smartest thing you can do. I think if you're going to get a divorce and you have a young child at play, because divorce itself can be messy. Divorce with a kid, and this is what we're really kind of talking about. Divorce with a kid is almost impossible waters to wade because every kid's going to react differently. Every person's going to respond differently. God knows when my parents decided they were getting a divorce and they told me I was crushed. I tried to kill myself, or at least I said I was going to. I wanted to jump out the window. Um, I had to go to therapy. I remember talking to the therapist and saying, you know, like, Sometimes I feel like my brain is like a fucking giant clock tower and there's a guy in there that makes sure the thing turns and then sometimes he forgets to fucking turn the thing and doesn't help me through, you know, and give me coping to keep continuing on. I get fixated, as it were. And uh, I hated therapy. I only went a couple times as like an early nine-year-old and uh, I tried a lot of different things as therapy at that point too. Like I would... I did karate a little bit, and I obviously played a lot of different sports. But back to the the being a young, young, you know, having a young, young child, I just lived Veronica having to go through a divorce, and Ollie was young when this process started, and by the time it's over, and here we are. And I can kind of reflect on and, and tell you that I think that was the greatest maybe the greatest thing she could have done for Ollie. 
And I know that might sound a little bit weird. What? Splitting him up from his dad? And like, that's some kind of bullshit. No, it's not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it like this. I'm saying that he was so young that he didn't really, it didn't grip him. His life changed, but he was so young that the change was just a part of learning to be alive. And it didn't, it wasn't like an emotional earth shattering. He hadn't even developed empathy yet or understanding that, you know, people can be emotionally hurt. You know, as I was saying, taking a child and, and listen, don't, I don't want you guys to think I'm trying to say like, take your kid, get him away from the opposite, the other person and make it like stressful. Try to work with your, your, your ex-partner to be a good co-parent and say, look, we couldn't make their relationship work, but that doesn't mean we can't make his life awesome or her life amazing, right? And unfortunately, Veronica hasn't had that. And, and you know, I've done everything in my willpower as stepping up and being as fatherly to Ollie as I can um, because I have been around him since he was so little. I was there when he was one and a half years old and, you know, uh, learning to speak for the first time in his first walking and a lot of different huge moments, you know. I mean, I guess really I met Ollie when he was 11 months old. So, you know, he wasn't officially a year. Um, and no, 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 he had just turned a year. That's right, my fault, my fault, my fault. Because I met V when he was 11 months old when I met Veronica for the first time and then he was a little after a year right when I first met him. So, like, he was a little dude. And now he's almost six. You know, he's losing his front teeth and shit. And I'm like, a fixture. And we're hanging out the other day. And V's like, hey, kiddo, you gotta, you know, you're going to go to your grandpa's house and, and hang out with him because we got this show. And he's like, I don't want to go. Nate's so much cooler. And I'm just like, man, like, I appreciate you saying that. You're so sweet, kid. But like, I'm just trying to do right by you because I don't, you know, I might not ever be a parent like that. Who knows? You know, it probably won't be the case, but you know, you know, you, you, you never know. So ultimately I'm just going to kind of wrap here on saying this. I don't want you guys, if you're in a bad marriage with a child to stay with that person. Now, if you're stuck, if it's like some sort of abusive thing, Lean on your support system. Find a support system. Get people who are strong and strong-willed to be there for you when you can't be there for yourself. Because it's very, it's very important to not forget that. We are all people, but we all can be put in situations that we cannot get out of. And if it's a bad setup, if it's something that, you know, you're getting hurt... Find a way to get a message out. Find a way to cry for help. Find a way to get someone to recognize that you need pulled from the abyss, you know, you and your child especially, because that's something, you you know, you need to also consider is that if you're a parent who's in, uh, who, who, who is watching another parent be abusive to a child, you got to get your kid away from that fucking parent. I don't care if they were your spouse. I don't care if that parent is the biological dad or mom. If you see a parent beating the shit out of their kid and and you're attached to that being and and have created that person, make that stop. You have to. You have to be strong enough. I know. 
I'm kind of kind of like tangenting on all the different various areas of divorce and things of that nature, but it's real. There's a lot of things people don't discuss when divorce is a messy topic and people don't really have the courage to discuss it, I think. Um, a lot of people are divorced. A lot of people have been married. A lot of people have gone through some shit, you know. A lot of people are in marriages now where you can tell me the, all the live long day that you're happy. You can tell me that life is golden and I see through it. You know, there are people that I know who are in relationships and marriages that are struggling to find happiness. And, and, and you know, the thing is, is that for me in any relationship I've ever been in, and most particularly where I'm at in my life now, I'm grateful and I show gratitude every single day because I don't know how much time I have. I don't know how much time anybody has. And in every instance, I want to try to do right by people. You know, there are folks who have wronged me in relationships, and I've wronged people too. I'm not perfect. It goes both ways. But I can tell you this without a shadow of a doubt. I've learned from my mistakes. The things I've done, the errors of my ways, my past self, the person who I used to be, doesn't exist anymore. The things that I didn't like about myself, I changed and I grew. And I said, you know what? If I carry this baggage of who I was with me to who I want to become, I'm never going to be who I want to be. And in order to do that, I have to literally think about everything I'm doing, think about everything I want to be, and just go, okay, what's really important? Being a dumbass who hurts people or being mindful and, and caring and considerate and going, okay, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to consider how you're thinking, and I'm going to think about what you're doing and saying. And I, I might not trust you necessarily, but I will give you a little bit, a little bit of leeway with my trust before I know to pull it back. And also, I know now that the moves and the mistakes of my ways of who I used to be don't have to be anymore. And that's a beautiful thing. It's freeing. It really is. It's a very freeing feeling to know, you know? So, I don't know if I really dove into this at all, but I don't really believe in marriage. I think that in a lot of ways, it's a piece of paper that signifies that you're stuck with someone and that if you don't want to be with that person anymore, you have to have an argument about your kids. You're going to have to have a discussion about who gets what and like have all this finality and separation and that's pain. You know what? Hearts don't grow when they're broken, they wither. And I love feeling a full heart and a full life. So I don't want to be tethered to the idea that, oh, I have a piece of paper. And that tells me and tells everyone else that you and me are together. And also now because of that paper, now you get a bunch of extra cool shit like health care and all these other things. Because then you have people that take advantage of that. People who are advantageous. They're like, hey, I met this person they're really attractive. They got a nice setup, a good gig. I'm looking for insurance. Maybe I can get me some. Ooh, this person likes how I go and do some sexy stuff on them. They really enjoy that. I bet I can convince them to marry me. And then I'm going to get insurance. There are people that do that. That's real. That's a real thing that happens in this world. And then, you know, they're buying a house and then they're getting married and having kids and 
debt and more things are purchased and more resentment grows because the guy is always spending money or the girl is always spending money and the the and and there are things that are being expenses that just pile up over and over and over and over and over again uh coupled with um all these other little factors that tie into not being communicative and not being helpful with each other and all these things are a recipe for disaster I think that the most important thing, more than a piece of paper, if your marriage is going to last and be good, communication is the biggest key. You have to have honesty. It be okay to say I fucked up. I fucked up is a real thing. Hey, how's it going? Um, I'm having an okay day, but I kind of fucked up. X Y Z. Oh, fuck. Whoa, why did you do that? Oh well. <laughs> X Y Z. Oh okay understanding and caring well we can move past it together because i love you and even though you are a dumbass oh thanks for forgiving me now i feel better i didn't have to hold that in it's not a secret it's not me feeling awful you know even in little things like breaking a lamp or something you know crazy shit like that i mean people people you got to communicate that's all i can say folks i don't want to i don't want to drive it home too much further but if you are going to succeed in your relationships in life you have to communicate communication is the key And as I said it earlier, I'll say it before and I will say it again. If you are unhappy in your relationship and you have a young child, the sooner you get out, the better. The longer you tether them, the worse. And don't use your children as weapons of war. That's another very important thing. Because my mom did that to my dad. I was a weapon of war against her. She would say things and send me with messages or do things or in the subtleties of things that were meant to hurt my dad at every pass. So it was not only like he was losing a relationship, he was constantly being reminded and pained and shamed or hurt, you know. I mean, one time my mom told me to straight up walk in the house. She's like, when you see your dad, call him a dickhead. What? So I'm like nine and a half, and I don't even really know what a dickhead is. So I'm like, okay. So I'm cautious because I had already noticed that this is kind of stuff has happened. So I'm like, okay. Hey, Dad. Mom wanted me to call you something. What's that? A dickhead. What the fuck? You know, and like, here we go, you know? So, like, don't use your kids as weapons, honestly. It's, It's not helpful. It's not doing anybody any good. And ultimately, you're going to hurt them. You're going to drive a wedge in between yourself and them. And then nothing is going to be right. And that's a disaster, man, because nurturing your children is the most important thing. So even if you can't stay with the person you created a child with, learn how to co-parent, learn how to be a team, a friendly team, supportive team, you know? Be the fucking stepdad who can walk up to the dad and have a normal fucking conversation and bro down. It's like, oh, I get down on that shit too. Oh, yeah, me too. Cool. And it's not like this awkward, like, oh, there's that fucking guy that used to fuck my wife, you know, or something. Or that there's, yeah, yeah, there's a guy that used to, yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. So I wanted to make sure I didn't say that wrong because sometimes words get get ahead of me. Um, But if you can do that, the only persons that, well, really, okay, listen, if you don't co-parent properly in that regard, the persons that suffer are not you or your ex. It's the child. If you do, in fact, 
co-parent and work as a team and have communication, trust the other one's ability to parent, be on the same page about where your religious viewpoints stand and what you want your child to be able to believe. Because in my opinion, kids should have the choice. Don't force religion on them. Say, hey, religion is a thing. It really exists. People choose to believe it. Some people choose not to believe it. You can read into it, look into it as you get older. You'll want to ask more questions. Never stop asking questions. Ask all the questions. That's all you can ask for, right? And I think you can help your child and, and, and our universe grow to become better. Because I think that if we can get past worrying about the epidemic that is the divorce rate and all this shit and just say, okay, so what? Divorce happens. If, if you don't work, you don't work. We don't have to be toxic about it. Everybody thinks, and I think maybe it's because TV shows and other things have dramatized it that you have to be toxic about it. And you don't. You absolutely do not. Well, folks, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of The Voice Survival. Obviously, thank you guys so much for checking out Season 2, Episode 15 you guys can check the Voice of Survival podcast out every other Friday on the Journey Into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com or iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, CastBox, Spotify, TuneIn, and many others. Just search Journey Into Comics Network, subscribe, and get all the shows on our network under one feed. It's a lovely little thing, and that way you get content every day of the week, 365 days a year. And... Also, go to patreon.com backslash journey into comics. Give us a dollar for early access, exclusive content, $3 if you're a network uh, member and you want to help us out and beyond. There's other tiers as well. And I think that's going to do it, folks, for this week's episode of The Voice of Survival, Season 2, Episode 15. Don't stay together for the kids. I have been your host, Nate, and we will see you guys later.